Good morning. How are y'all doing today? Beautiful. Beautiful. Awesome. Well, my name is Benjamin Pinkerton, and I am typically with Youth or Club 56. So y'all are much older crowd, but it's going to be fun today. So if this is your first time joining us this summer, we're going through character studies. We're actually studying specific men and women in the Bible and how they model for us specific aspects of a spiritual walk. And sometimes we get to see awesome examples. They show us spiritual disciplines. They show us how to live life well. And sometimes we actually get to see how not to do it. And so sometimes these heroes of the faith mess up royally, and we can learn from that as well. So today, I actually have the privilege of going to David. And so David, most of us know, he's very, very talked about in the Bible. He's got 65 chapters about him in the Old Testament, the most talked about character. And then the New Testament, he's got 59 references. He wrote 77 Psalms. And so we get to see his life. We get to see his prayer. We get to see his emotions. We get to see all areas of a relationship with the Lord. We get to see him when he starts out as a shepherd boy. And then he gets anointed, fights a giant, kills a giant. Most of us have heard of David and Goliath, right? And then he becomes king, after he becomes a fugitive, and then he becomes king, he's a warrior, he builds mighty men, he does all these cool things. He's a lyricist, right? He writes songs, he writes poetry, he's a ladies' man, right? He actually has adultery and then kills the dude. I mean, we get to see lots of different areas of this guy, and we're like, man, I can relate with certain aspects of David. And so that's why he's a really cool character to study. One thing I really like about him is he's passionate. And you can just tell when you're reading, you're reading the Psalms and you're seeing, man, this guy, he's sold out for whatever he's doing, right? And I can relate with that. And a lot of us can't, we're sold out in what we're doing. And sometimes he's sold out for the wrong things. And sometimes he lets his emotions get the best of him. But we can all relate to that. Today, we'll be looking in 1 Chronicles 21. So if you have your Bible and you wanna turn there, you can. If not, I'm gonna have it on the screen I like to put verses on the screen just in case you don't have your Bible. But we're going to be looking at an area in David's life that's pretty unique. Because David, a lot of his life, he was in battle. He was doing crazy things, running from Saul. He's fighting Philistines. He's fighting all these different people. But this time in David's life, we're going to be looking at the kingdom is actually experiencing peace. He has peace and he's the king. Everything looks like it's going great. Right, And so I think we're going to learn a lot from this one chapter that's not very talked about from David. And so hopefully we can get, get some good information from it. So we're going to turn there now. Then Satan stood against Israel and incited David to number Israel. So David said to Joab and the commanders of the army, Go, number Israel from Beersheba to Dan, and bring me a report that I may know their number. But Joab said, May the Lord add to his people a hundred times as many as they are. Are they not, my lord the king, all of them my lord's servants? Why then should my lord require this? Why should it be a cause of guilt for Israel? But the king's word prevailed against Joab. So Joab departed and went throughout all Israel and came back to Jerusalem. And Joab gave the sum of the numbering of the people to David. In all Israel, there were 1,100,000 men who drew the sword, and in Judah, 470,000 who drew the sword. But he did not include Levi and Benjamin in the numbering, for the king's command was abhorrent to Joab. But God was displeased with this thing, and he struck Israel. And David said to God, I have sinned greatly in that I have done this thing. But now please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have acted very foolishly. Let's pray. Father, we just are grateful for characters in the Bible that we can study, that we can relate to. 
Father, I pray that this morning we can just study David in a new light, that he will show us um, just what it means to walk with you and that we're having pitfalls at times, God, and we mess up. God, I just pray that today we can learn something. We can learn about your love for us. We can learn how to walk out a relationship with you that is intimate and it's personal and it's ongoing and it's growing, Father. And I just pray that we can be a people that study your word. God, we're, we're a people that desire to know you better and that through that relationship we have with you, God, that we make an impact on this world. God, I just pray for all of us in this room. I pray that um, you take away distractions. There's lots of things going on outside with classes, with jobs, with family. God, there's so many things going on in this room, but I just pray that we just hear you today. Take me out of the equation, God, and allow us to hear from you. God, we love you and we trust you. We pray these things by the power of your Holy Spirit. Amen. So when I was a third grader, I got my first girlfriend and I felt pretty good. Yeah, whooping. Okay, third grader. Yeah. So I actually told my wife today, I was telling the story and she's like, I haven't heard this story yet. So what are you about to say? And I'm like, you'll see. So she's in here listening. But yeah, this is, this was a third grader. I got in a relationship and I was like, man, I'm walking around the school. Like I've got it going on. Everyone sees me, the third grader with the girlfriend. I'm feeling pretty cool about myself. But then I learned something. I learned that relationships actually cost you. I learned that to be in a relationship, I actually had to spend time with this girl. And I said, oh no, oh no. I have to sacrifice certain things that I really enjoy, like video games, like playing outside shirtless and shoeless with my friends, like reading books. I had to sacrifice those things to spend with this girl. And I was like, I don't know about all this. And I'm like, okay, maybe I can do it. Maybe I can sacrifice. I start trying to work out this third grade relationship. But then the unthinkable happens. She calls my house. She calls my house. My parents answer like, who is this? This is Benjamin's girlfriend. And I'm like, just completely embarrassed. I'm like, okay, my parents were not supposed to know I was in a relationship as a third grader. And uh, so I, I answer the phone. I'm like, okay, this is weird. Why are you talking to me? This is outside of school. If you don't realize, you don't talk to me outside of school. That's not how relationships work. All right. And so I, I actually end up breaking up with her. I break up with her because I realized the cost of that relationship was just too much. It was too much to bear. I did not want to give up my video games and I did not want to give up friends and I did not want to give up being outside. And I really didn't want to talk on the phone with a girl in third grade. So I broke up with her, right? And I think there's something valuable to be learned from that funny story is that one, I got it on the screen, your choices always reflect your heart. Your choices always reflect your heart. For instance, my, my heart in that moment when I broke up with that girl was I value friends, I value reading, I value sports and outdoors much more than I value talking to you or spending, spending time with you. And I think that all of us can say that's true, but I think the reality is a lot of times we don't wrestle with that. God created us in a way that we are constantly pursuing pleasure. We are constantly looking to be satisfied. We are constantly looking for intimacy. We want to be known. We want to be loved. We want to be told that you can do this and you've got this and you've done a great job. We want those things. And so everything we do in our life is about choices and action. And so when you do something, you are constantly saying that I desire this over everything else I could be doing. Your choices reflect your heart. 
And when we look at this census, David in this moment, when he took this census said, you know what? I value finding my identity in the people I have around me. I value the things of this earth. So I value how many people I have in my army. And in fact, I can grow prideful because I have over a million men. I've built this kingdom and I have this army and I did that. And yet God, that was, that was displeasing to God because God says, wait a second, who's the king? I'm the king, right? And in this moment, you're finding pride in what I've done and you're taking pleasure in that instead of pleasure in your relationship with me. And you're forgetting that I built this kingdom and I built this army. And I think if we stopped, a lot of the times, if we could look back at some of the choices we make, whether it was this morning, yesterday, years past, I think if we could go back to our former selves and say that, that simple statement of your choice you're about to make is reflecting your heart, then I think maybe our decisions would have changed. So when I came to A&M, I joined the Corps. And so I'm not saying how I decided I didn't want to be in the Corps. I joined the Corps, I was in the Corps, and then... I was like, you know, this is, this is hard, but I want to do other things as well as the core. And so I ran for class president and I got class president freshman year. So that put me in charge of a freshman leadership organization called Fish Council. But I was already in a freshman leadership organization called Freshman Leaders in Christ because I had already applied and got that. So now I'm in two flows, class president and I'm in the core and I'm taking classes. But that wasn't enough. I was also like, I really like impact. So I'm gonna do impact as well. So then... I became an impact counselor. And then I was walking one day and I see this booth set up. And I'm like, hey, what's this booth all about? What are y'all doing? And they're like, oh, we're Pine Cove. I'm like, what's Pine Cove? They're like, it's a Christian camp. Want to do it? And I'm like, yeah, sounds great. So I was like, I looked at my schedule. I had an hour block, literally like the entire week is filled. But I had an hour block right then. I'm like, that's Providence. God just told me I'm supposed to apply for Pine Cove. So I applied for Pine Cove and I got it. And I looked at myself, my life at the end of my freshman year, averaging about two to four hours of sleep a night and being completely stretched thin, doing nothing well. All my relationships were pretty shallow. I hadn't really built a lot of deep relationships with any of my core buddies. I had not really done well as class president. I was not really involved in freshman years in Christ like I wanted. And then impact, I'd get to the meetings and be completely shot. If someone had come up to me and said, Benjamin, your choices you're making right now are reflecting your heart. That might've made me give pause to join something else. I had lots of people say, hey, you're over-involved. You need to rest more. I had that all the time. But no one said, you know what? The choices you're making right now are reflecting your heart. And your heart is saying that you are seeking significance and importance in what you do. You want people to realize, man, Benjamin's so busy. He's got so much going on. What a cool guy. Or I want to please God. So if I just do every single thing I can think of for God, then he'll be pleased with me. And if someone had come up and said, you are trying to seek satisfaction in the world around you by being overly involved, or you're trying to please God, when in reality, God already loves you and is pleased with you, then I bet I would not have joined 26 things. And I would have had a lot easier life and I would have been a lot more effective in what I was doing, right? And so all of us can say, man, the choices I make are reflecting my heart. I am always choosing what I want to do. You will always do what you want to do. So let's, let's go on to the consequences of that. Oh, I'm sorry. In Luke 6, 45, we also see in scripture this constant theme. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So that's one thing. So what you're saying is reflecting your heart. And then we go to Proverbs 27, 19. It says, as water reflects the face, so one's life reflects the heart. 
Just as you look in a mirror and you see your reflection or you look in the water and you see your face, your actions are pointing to your heart. Your mouth is pointing to your heart. It's a good opportunity for us to stop and say, man, what is coming out of my mouth and what am I involving myself in? Because that's reflecting my heart and that's what the world sees me as. All right, so now we'll go on. So 9 through 17, and the Lord spoke to Gad, David's seer, saying, go and say to David, thus says the Lord, three things I offer you. Choose one, that I might do it to you. So Gad came to David and said to him, thus says the Lord, choose what you will, either three years of famine, three months of devastation by your foes while the sword of your enemies overtake you, or else three days of the sword of the Lord, pestilence on the land, with the angel of the Lord destroying throughout all the territory of Israel. Now decide what answer I shall return to him who sent me. Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let me fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercy is very great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence on Israel, and 70,000 men of Israel fell. And God sent the angel to Jerusalem to destroy it. But as he was about to destroy it, the Lord saw, and he relented from the calamity. And he said to the angel who was working destruction, it is enough. Now stay your hand. And the angel of the Lord was standing by the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David lifted his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord standing between earth and heaven, and in his hand a drawn sword stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders, clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. And David said to God, Was it not I who gave command to number the people? It is I who have sinned and done great evil. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand, O Lord my God, be against me and against my father's house, but do not let the plague be on your people. So because of David's sin, God gives him a choice. He says, David, you, you, you done goofed. You can either have three years of famine where you have to rely on other people for food, three months of getting wrecked by opponents in battle, or three days of pestilence. Literally, the angel of the Lord's going to come and destroy people, right? But do not let this plague be under people. So David chooses, and he chooses wisely because God gives him a choice, but it's really a test. Because whenever you are affected by famine, the people that are affected are going to be the people that aren't resourceful and don't have wealth. David wouldn't be affected. If it's based on the army, only military men are going to be killed. So David wouldn't have been affected. But instead, what did David choose? He says, because I have done this, let it be on me. So I'm going to choose the pestilence. I'm going to choose the destruction by the angel of the Lord. And so in that moment, God gave him a choice but that leads to our point, our second point, which your choice always requires sacrifice. See, if your heart is always going to make the decisions, then your choice will also bring sacrifice. Let me put it this way. So if I were to study tonight for a test coming up, I'm directly sacrificing all the work I have to do right now. I have to read. I have to put into memory. I have to do all these things. But I'm also indirectly sacrificing everything else I could be doing. I could be sitting, spending time with friends. I could be with you know, and I could be with my wife. I could be hanging out with other people. I could be watching movies. But instead, right now I'm saying it's more important that I study. And so I'm sacrificing everything else, right? And in this culture where they tell you the fantasy of there's no need to sacrifice to get what you want. Hey, we can get you rich quick. Just call now, only 20 bucks. Or weight loss secrets, no diet needed, no exercise needed. Yeah, I've, I, whatever. And then you look at our national economy and we are in debt by the trillions. Why is that? Because our culture constantly tells you you don't have to sacrifice for what you want. You don't have to give up. You don't have to give, right? And so you look at marriage. It's funny how a lot of times in our relationship with God, whenever someone starts telling you to sacrifice for God 
or to do things for God, where do we jump? Ah, legalism. Yeah, that's not true. That's not a good relationship. You're making it about rules and following order and you're making it about sacrificing for the Lord. And yet any one of you, if you walked in on on my relationship with Kara, my wife, and you said, okay, I'm watching Benjamin and I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh man, I am tired, Kara. You are gonna make breakfast and coffee. And also I don't really like to go to work today. If you could pick up a double and when you get home, I love dinner and I don't wanna make it either. If you could make dinner for me, but I also want you to spend time with me. You need to make sure that I feel good about our relationship, so be around more often, right? All of y'all would be like, that's, that's not gonna work out, bro. Like, that is not a good marriage. You are not being a good husband. And I would say, what are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that my relationship with her is based on things I do for her? Oh, no, no, that's legalistic. I'm not gonna do that. No, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sacrifice for her because then I've made my relationship with her based on rules and following order and stuff. And yet, we do that with God. Right? Until we realize that the choices we make are going to require sacrifice, and until we take our faith and our relationship with God seriously, we will constantly live in a place where I'm not going to sacrifice. I'm not going to give up anything. And so when David gets this choice, you notice who did it affect? His choice didn't just affect him, it actually had 70,000 guys killed. Right? Many people were impacted by his choice. Many people. And so when you think for a moment, this is not important. I don't need to sacrifice for this. It doesn't affect anyone else. Let's take our spiritual walk. And in college, I can get serious about my relationship with the Lord later when I have a job and a family, because then it'll be real. Because then I got to be a good father or a good mother for my kids. And I got to show them what it looks like to follow God. But right now I'm just having fun. And we walk that dangerous path. Then you look at the end and you say, wait a second, this is not just hurt me. This hasn't just impacted my life. This has impacted everyone around me. And that goes anywhere. That goes with any choice you make. But the reality, this is a wake-up call of, hey man, like how are we spending our time and where are our choices? And if they're reflecting my heart, what am I really sacrificing? And so we're gonna read this last passage and this is really where I wanna camp out because I think this, this is what I wish I had told my former self. When I said earlier, man, I wish I could tell my former self a couple different things. This is 18 through 27. Now the angel of the Lord had commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and raise an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan and the Jebusite. So David went up at Gad's word, which he had spoken in the name of the Lord. Now Ornan was threshing wheat. He turned and saw the angel and his four sons who were with him hid themselves. As David came to Ornan, Ornan looked and saw David and went out from the threshing floor and paid homage to David with his face to the ground. And David said to Ornan, give me the side of the threshing floor that I may build on it an altar to the Lord. Give it to me at its full price that the plague may be averted from the people. Then Ornan said to David, take it and let my Lord the king do what seems good to him. See, I give the oxen for burnt offering and the threshing sledges for the wood and the wheat for a grain offering. I give it all. But King David said to Ornan, no, but I will buy them for the full price. I will not take for the Lord what is yours, nor offer burnt offerings that cost me nothing. So David paid Ornan 600 shekels of gold by weight for the site. And David built there an altar to the Lord and presented burnt offerings and peace offerings and called on the Lord. And the Lord answered him with fire from heaven upon the altar of burnt offering. Then the Lord commanded the angel and he put his sword back into its sheath. David knew in this moment that if this doesn't cost me anything, then it's not worth anything. And so the point number three is your sacrifice will always determine the value. What it costs to you is saying how much it was worth to you. 
That's pretty obvious. If I pay a dollar, I pay a hundred dollars. I obviously value the hundred dollar thing more. I obviously value that more. And yet, if we look at our spiritual journey, our spiritual walks, me personally, when I was all the way through grade school, I got saved when I was really young, trusted in Jesus. I went all the way through grade school. I went to college. I didn't really wake up to walking out my relation with the Lord for a long time. I always wondered, why do I have a roller coaster religion where I had ups and downs? I go to mission trips every summer. I go to church camps every summer. I go to school and my relationship with the Lord plummets. And I wondered, man, why, why is this happening, God? Are you not being faithful to me? And I'm trying so hard to be this, this man of the Lord. And yet I don't understand why I feel like my relationship with you is just, is just down, right? And so I think that if I could have told myself, man, how much do you really have to sacrifice for God to have a relationship with him? How much has it really costed you up to this point? I would say, well, not really anything. I never really had to give up friends. I never really had to say no to too many things that I didn't want to do, or I just didn't say no when I should have, right? I didn't really have to sacrifice anything in my walk with the Lord, but then I was mad at him because he would not, um, you know, bless me in the way I wanted. I didn't feel his presence. I didn't feel like the trajectory of my life was going the direction I wanted. And, and I would get mad at God instead of realizing, man, I, I don't really... I don't really do anything for God. And so we see in scripture that God also sees the sacrifices of our lives. Romans 12, one and two, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Every single day, my life is a spiritual offering to God. And how much have I really sacrificed to God? We look in Hebrews 11.4, the very first babies that came from Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, right? They both sacrificed to God. But we see in Hebrew, by faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. The very first baby killed his own brother because his brother gave a better sacrifice than he did. Right? The very first child was a murderer in the world. Right? And because his sacrifice coming from his heart was, I don't really want to give up that much for you, for you God. And my heart's not really in this. And in fact, I'm just comparing my sacrifice to other people. I'm seeing the guy over here, he's in a Bible study and he looks like he's loving the word of God. And I'm like, well, I want that. Well, I want that. I want to be that guy. Or I look over there and I see that, that girl worshiping the Lord and she looks like she's all in. And I just, I want that. I want, to, I want to experience worship as that girl did. Or man, I just don't understand how these people can be so involved in church and feel so energized by the Holy Spirit. And I do the exact same things and it's just not there. I just don't feel it. I'm going through the motions and I'm, I, I'm thinking about leaving the faith. Right, I was there and I was just constantly comparing sacrifices of other people. And the reality was it's not about how much you give. It's about the cost personally to you because God doesn't need your money. He doesn't need your time. He doesn't need anything. And yet what he looks at is, man, how much did it cost you? Because again, if your choices reflect your heart and your heart requires sacrifice and your sacrifice is saying how much it's worth to you, when God was looking at me and my heart and being so involved in so many different things or comparing my spiritual walk to other people, he was looking at my heart and I was only looking at my actions. And I said, God, I, I don't get it, right? And so that might be you, that might be you. So I think the biggest thing that I can take from this, this is not a lesson on, hey, you need to do more for God. 
If someone had came up to me and said, you need to do more for God right now, my freshman year, I would have laughed and said, get on my level, bro. No chance. I'm doing enough. I'm dead tired all the time. You can't tell me that I'm not doing enough for God. So this lesson is not do more things for God or sacrifice more for God. But again, just as in my marriage, I don't think every morning when I'm making coffee, oh, what a sacrifice. This is so difficult to make this coffee or this breakfast. This is so difficult to go to work to make money for the family. Like, I don't think that. And why is that? Because I realize that the value and the reward of being married is so much greater than the sacrifices I have to put in for it. So much greater. And the problem is a lot of times our relationship with the Lord, we don't get that. We don't get that what I'm getting in this relationship with the Lord is so much greater than anything I have to sacrifice or give up for. Right? So much to the fact that just imagine if you got to a place where you were knowing God's love for you and you were seeing how much he paid, it, paid for you and you stopped making it about the people around you and you made it more about what has God done for me and how does he view me and I don't need to work for it anymore. I just need to experience it and be with God. See what happens then. The overflow of your heart your actions in your mouth will show up. And you'll start to walk with God in a way that is natural and not a comparing game, right? And so we can look at God and we say, well, God, how did you show up for me, right? If you want me to offer my body as a sacrificial offering to you, then what do I get out of the deal, right? And and we can look and obviously the answer is Jesus, We can say, man, God loved me so much and he valued me so much that he made a choice too. And it reflected God's heart. And it was, I love these people, these broken sinners that have messed up so badly and they will continue to mess up things throughout history. And yet I love them so much, I'm going to make a choice. And that choice requires a sacrifice. And that sacrifice is gonna determine how much I care about these people. And that sacrifice was Jesus. It was literally God himself. He said, I value them so much that I value my own life. I value my son Jesus dying on the cross. And so we look in Isaiah 53, 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. See, when God looked at us, he did make a choice. And he said, all right, I'm, pl- I'm paying it all. I will do it all so that you don't have to live in a lifestyle of do more, do more, do more, work for God. How much am I doing for God constantly? He said, no, I'm gonna pay it all so that you can just be with me. You can experience me, right? And so my hope for us as Christians, making an impact on this world is not that we do more things and sacrifice to where people notice, man, that guy's really doing a lot. But I hope that we truly understand and experience God's love And that will change us. That will change us, right? And so just in wrapping up and closing, I'd love for you to think personally, introspectively about, man, where are you at? Just be real. don't, Don't be like me for six years that spent all my time comparing to other people or trying to work to earn God's favor or trying to get people to notice I'm a good guy. Don't be that guy. Don't be that girl. You're going to just get burnt out and tired. God's going to have to break you down before you realize, man, he's already done it. I don't need to do this. So whenever you look at these three things, your choices reflect your heart. How do you spend your time? What choices are you making? Because they are pointing inwardly. Your choices require sacrifice. 
Well, what are you giving up in return and is it worth it? That's the biggest thing. Jesus is worth everything and anything else is not worth as much. And so whenever you say, I decide to do this, I'm sacrificing everything else in the process. Make sure that what you're sacrificing is not, not less than what you're sacrificing for. That's kind of confusing, huh? But don't sacrifice the things that really matter. Don't be like me. I'm sacrificing my relationship with the Lord and my time with God to look like I have it together. Let me put this mask on so y'all can see a good godly man. But in reality, I'm broken inside. I'm hurting. And I'm just comparing myself every day. Don't be that. Don't sacrifice what's less or what's more. And lastly, your sacrifice determines the value. Rob's going to come up and he's going to... Is that Rob? I can't even see. Oh, there's Rob. Okay, Rob's going to come up. (laughs) Can't even see back there. (laughs) That's Taylor Russell. What a good guy. All right. (laughs) So during this time, Rob's going to be playing a little soft music. And I want all of us to spend some time right now and say, man, how much has my relationship with the Lord really cost me? And if, if you're starting to want to take your faith seriously, maybe it's the time to say, well, why is it not the way I want? And maybe that's the time they say, well, I haven't really done anything or given up anything. There's lots of different ways to get involved, but I'm not telling you just to get involved or go on a mission trip. I'm, my hope for you is that you just spend time with God in a resting, restful way, because that's what I need. Every single day, I need that. I don't do it a lot. I go and get busy with other things. But I want you to just, for a second, pray and ask God, just reveal to me what my heart, what my choices are revealing. And then hopefully I can be real and say, I want to do better. I want to walk with the Lord in a way that is truly satisfying, knowing that he has already paid it all for me. So if you'll bow your heads, I'll pray. And then y'all just keep praying after. Father, I just... uh, I'm just so grateful, God, for, for this life that you've given us. Father, I'm grateful that we don't have to work to earn your love. We don't have to get more involved or look the part to be loved by you. God, and I thank you that our identity is not found in our performance. Um, it's not based on comparing to other people. God, it's completely based on what's already been done. And so I just pray that all of us can feel the weight of working for your your love or working to be accepted by other people. And I pray that way just goes away, God, as we're real. I pray that we can just look inwardly now and understand, God, that our choices are reflecting what's going on inside. And also that what I'm sacrificing, how much it costs me is saying how much I love whatever it is I'm sacrificing for. God, just reveal to us in this time. Allow us to have conversations about it. Allow us to talk with our friends, to seek help, to ask the right questions and to just keep pouring into you, God, and knowing you more and more. And as we get to know you and experience your love, Father, we're gonna see, God, that you are so much greater than everything else we've been pursuing anyways. God, just reveal that to us. Help us, help us deepen our hearts, God, to be real with you now. Father, we love you and we thank you. We pray these things in the Spirit's name, amen.